Alrighty, friends, you did it once again. You hit the play button on yet another... Kevin, another toothsome episode of V8 Radio. (laughs) 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 Alright, another toothsome episode. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, I don't even know if I want to know. Of course you'd want to know. Everybody wants to know. Yeah, it right. It just means right. temptingly tasty, just well, like the rest of our episodes. For darn sure. Gosh darn right. <laughs> <laughs> A toothsome episode of V8 Radio. I'm your host, Kevin Osti, joined as always by our esteemed co-host, Mr. Mike Hubal-Clark. And uh, yeah, it's going to be uh, temptingly tasty, I guess. <laughs> oh, it's going to be an episode, boy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. Right. Oh, man. And for those of you who have heard the show uh, once at least before, you know that we start every episode with an automotive sort of trivia question. Amen to that, brother. Yeah. Did you come up with one this time? As fate would have it, yes, I did. Yes, I did. Well, good, because, you know, we we do, before the trivia question, we we probably should apologize to our loyal listener, (laughs) (laughs) because we've been out of the game for, you know, like a month at least, I think. Yeah, it's, it's been a while. It has, and and I attribute that to both of us being insanely busy, and I've actually had a little bit of travel and, and things going on. Not that uh, the show doesn't take priority. It's just a matter of many things going on, which is good. So we appreciate you hanging in there. What I actually wanted to do was, you know, cool off a little bit on the episode production so that we slipped a little bit in the Apple iTunes ratings <laughs> so that we can have a triumphant return. <laughs> Well, I think your plan is working perfectly so far. Well, the slip part is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so before we get too deep into this one, we're going to ask everybody to uh, to subscribe on, on Apple iTunes or wherever you hear this so that uh, you know we can triumphantly return to the top 450 of... Uh... <laughs> We're in the top 1,000 automotive right. podcast, man. I, well, the hot 1,000. Hot 1,000. <laughs> it's like two Memorial Day weekends in a row. <laughs> right. Oh, brother. <sighs> All right, so you prepared a trivia question, man. What do you got? All right, let's do this. All right, Kev. Um, when the uh, oil embargo hit us in 1973, the uh, U.S. automakers were kind of scrambling to come up with something uh, a little more fuel-efficient car, fuel-efficient mm. engine. True. And our good friends at Pontiac did that oh. very thing. Uh, they developed a four-cylinder engine that uh, had a production run from 1977 through 1993. Mm. But what I'm going to ask you today, Kevin, is... What was the name of that venerable little four-cylinder engine? Well, that that venerable little four-cylinder engine, uh, Pontiac engineers would have liked to thought <laughs> that it had a much bigger stature than just a little four-cylinder. Right. So I'm going to say they named it after John Wayne. Oh. And they called it the Iron Duke. Oh, that's impressive. <laughs> If it's right. <laughs> if it's right. And we'll find out at the end of the show, kids. Uh, that's right. Yeah, that's our bait and switch technique to have you listen through the whole show. Yeah, I think that's what that is, the Iron Duke. And those were um, those were tough little motors, man. Mm-hmm. Those were hard to kill, for sure. Yeah, I'm sure a few died, but uh, yeah, well, they, many, they put up a fight. Many did, but uh, many of them, I remember trying to... Injure a few of those myself, and I was <laughs> right very surprised on. by their resiliency. Cool. All right. All right. What uh, do you got for me, man? I've got just kind of a general, general one, just an easy, right to the point kind All of right. question. All right. Let's do it. It's a nice round number, which is your hint. Okay. How many Cadillacs were produced in 1967? A nice round number is my hint <laughs> that's right it's a very general you know trivia totally trivial question not common daily knowledge but how many, how many cadillacs all right uh, one more time how many cadillacs were produced in 1967 that's it that's all there is to it how many can uh let's see here 
1967. Right. Big year for uh, psychedelic rock and roll music. Yeah, man. And also, you have some pretty good doors playing in the background or something. Oh, yeah. Um, well, you know, back then, Buick actually had a uh, an ad campaign. Did you know that? It was, it was the car to light your fire. I did not know that. I think that was actually for 1970. So they were a couple of huh. years behind the doors with light your light my fire, but they used that. And I don't I don't think they paid any royalties either. <laughs> <laughs> I bet our uh, our buddy Yardley could probably expand upon that. Sure he could. Yeah. As big he you a guy. As he tallies up our trivia question, yes. correct answer well, ratio. Get ready to put one more in the in the lost <laughs> column for old Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so a good, a nice round number. Yes. A nice round number is zero, Kevin. <laughs> well, zero. Well, more than zero okay. Cadillacs in 67. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. 20,000. I want you to think about this for a second. Oh, okay. <laughs> so all of Cadillac for 1967. Good heavens, man. And a little context. You know, American car makers made a lot of cars in the 60s. They did make a lot of cars in the 60s. I think Chevrolet made over a million, well over a million. I think they made 550,000 Impalas alone. Right. So, you know, Cadillac's obviously not Chevrolet for volume, but... Correct. I'll just tell you, it was more than 20,000. Okay. A nice round number then, I'll say, is 100,000. All right. I'll take that. All right. Thanks for the One, extra something, something on that. Yeah, you know, sometimes we get wrapped up in our daily lives, and, uh, uh, you know, we might need a little context for these things. <laughs> yeah, need a lot of context. <laughs> right. <laughs> awesome. 100,000 duly noted. Dig it. Dig it. I do. Right on. So what else is happening, man? Well, it's been so long, I don't even know how to do this show anymore. Yeah, man, I know. I'm like, well, so what's new? Um, I, I don't have a whole lot going on on the automotive front. Um, on the house project front, however, um, I kind of bit off a little more than I could chew, it seems. And uh, I started building my first deck on right the uh, back of my house. And it's uh, it's a doozy, all right? Well, you know, this is how we grow. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I need more growing. <laughs> well, in certain but, places, on the yeah, house. Yeah, exa- absolutely. Yeah, but uh, we've been talking about doing this. My wife and I, Jenny, have been talking about this uh, for a number of years uh, on, the back of, in, on the back of our house. And we finally decided to pull the trigger and just do it and... You know, we wanted to do it ourselves. You save save a little bit of money, and I'm you know I'm pretty handy, and I can do stuff. It's just I haven't taken on a project of this magnitude in quite some time, and I get a little wrapped up in my own head, believe it or not. And uh, I just don't yeah, want to do. don't want to do the wrong thing, and I don't want to be on step 100 and then realize I screwed up step one, and then I have to redo everything. You know, that's right. my biggest fear. Well, but you're you're smart enough to cross the I's and, and dot the T's so that you yeah. don't have that problem. Yeah, and I have good resources. You know, my my good buddy Randy, who we talked about on the show before, he's he's highly intelligent when it comes to things like this, and he's he's built a number of he built his own house for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. So nice. he knows what he's doing. So I, I refer to him on quite a bit of things, and I you know I call him up to you know Randy's deck support project. Um, <laughs> And I say, hey, am I allowed to do it this way? Is this what code says? And he's like, no, you can do it this way, or oh, you can do it that way. It's fine, and you know, yada yada yada. Well, so yeah, he's been helping me out along. So, so, uh, and the public record, thank you, Randy Burge, for uh, helping me out with this so far. It's been it's been great. And, Heck uh, yeah! And you've been sending me pictures of your progress, and I know there's been some delays with uh, material availability and supplies. Oh, yeah. I still don't have all the wood I need. Yeah. I still don't have all the framing. I have a lot of the framing, and I have zero deck boards. Oh, man. Yeah. it's It's been... And I ordered everything in July, and we're recording this at the end of September. Right, right. So, right. and I still don't have everything. It's been a real lumber shortage thanks to the, the COVID-19. You know, lumber yards are trying to keep up with production, and, you know, they, they stopped producing for a while. 
Yep. And there's a huge demand, and unfortunately, I'm not at the top of the list right now. Well, I mean, the good thing about that is that you're able to, you know, in some ways kind of take your time and, and make sure that the substructure is right, yeah. the materials that you have are going in uh, at the speed that you're dictating. True, true. But yeah. that also means it's kind of hit or miss on your time availability to put this together. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been working on weekends and uh, actually took this whole week off uh, from work so we could focus on getting as much done as possible with the materials that I have and then try to piecemeal stuff from here and there and try to get everything I can, you know, through other means rather than waiting on the, the company I ordered everything through. Right, right. So. And that's quite a conundrum. We're, we're in the same boat uh, at the V8 Speed and Resto Shop where we're ordering parts like crazy and we have so many cars in the shop and many of them are stalled out just because of parts availability. Yeah. You know, you get to a point where you can't do anything anymore. And the, the big question is, well, do you bring another car in that you know we might not have room for? Mm-hmm. But you don't want anybody standing around. Right, exactly. So what we're telling people now is that you know, if you want to bring us a car to do some work on, you know, be it a, a full restoration or a vintage air install or a sniper EFI system or a you know five speed conversion or whatever, let's uh, let's get those parts ordered like today, even mm-hmm. though the car might not be scheduled to come in for another month or two, because yeah. we need that five, six, eight week lead time right now, and it's it's brutal. That is brutal. That's got to be so frustrating. I mean, you got to play. You know, uh, almost like a shell game of sorts to, you know, moving a car here, working on a car there, hoping you get the parts for car number three, you know, soon. And uh, it's got to be mm-hmm. it's got to be tough on the on, on your people. It's got to be tough on you guys trying to make sure that they have enough to do. Well, it, it's it's strenuous on everybody, the customer as well, because they're like, you know, many people think. Hey, I want to upgrade my car. I'm going to drop it off on Tuesday. You guys can do the work on Friday, and I'm going to take it home next week. Boom, bala, bing. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately, right now, that's not the case. <laughs> right uh, e- even if it's, you know, if it's only a four or five day job, it might take a calendar month just because of <sighs> Dang the, it. The, the lack of parts and materials. So that supply chain management, uh, thankfully, is largely being managed by Trevor, who's now our shop foreman. And we recently brought on another individual named Brian, who's our a dedicated parts manager. Right. And, and Brian's been doing a bang-up job with uh, uh, identifying you know, what parts comprise the particular project and, and ordering from our preferred sources, but if our preferred sources don't have it, he'll go to tier two, tier three, tier four, Perfect. and just get them coming, you know, and, and, and he knows how to manage all that, which is, which is great. It's been, yeah. a, you know, the, the next logical progression of our shop is to have a general parts manager, right. and, and, and he's been killing it. Awesome. And, and he's working very well with Joe and our customer relations side to keep the customers up to speed yep. on what's happening so that everybody understands and managing those expectations. Because a year ago, we didn't have to do a lot of this stuff. You know, it was just yeah. like, sure, send the car, we'll order the parts, we'll be here in a couple of days and go. You know, but today it's a different world. So Yeah, it's, it's really growing. And uh, I know you were telling me a little bit about Brian. He's a real car guy, drives a really cool, uh, uh, what's it, 85, 86 Monte Carlo SS? Yes, and uh, it's funny, it, it looked pretty much bone stock, stock wheels, stock exterior. Mm-hmm. It's got a 400 plus inch small block in it. Nice. And a full ride tech suspension and cool. lots of stuff. He's like, him and his brother are like the G-Body twins. Nice. So, yes, and I love those cars. Yeah, but it's really too. cool to have somebody on staff who has a lot of experience, hands-on experience with a particular car, mm-hmm. especially one that's rising in popularity with a lot of our customer base. You know, those things are, are always gaining popularity. And last week, as a matter of fact, the guy brought in a 54,000-mile 85 Monte Carlo SS, a Ooh. white car, T-tops, red gut, maroon, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said to Brian, I'm like, did you see that? And he's like, oh, oh yeah. Oh, I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's funny because underneath the 
center, not the center console, but you know, at the bottom of the dash below the radio and the AC controls, this particular Monte Carlo has this little trap door kind of compartment that I was not familiar with. And hmm. I'm like, did you see that? And Brian's like, oh yeah, they call it the bread box. It's a little storage thing. Oh, cool. They're going anywhere between 300 bucks and a thousand dollars on eBay right now. And, and that's a beautiful one. And that's a one year only interior pattern. And it's, you know, really Holy hot cow. stuff. So, oh yeah. So he, he was all over it. So nice. Um, it's cool to have Mustang guys on staff and Camaro guys on staff. Totally. And, vintage car guys and everything so everybody can bring a little something to the party oh totally and the customer benefits you know outstanding yeah that's great man it is it's cool he, he blends right in very well so we're very happy with him. perfect welcome aboard brian yeah and he listens so awesome yeah right on power Good tour stuff. veteran and the whole deal sweet yeah true enthusiast dig it man dig it yeah yeah so in addition to, uh, you know, to Brian, the whole rest of the staff is also doing very well. Um, our, our technicians, this time of year, it's nice because after work, they'll hang out and, and BS amongst each other for a while. And uh, our painter, Jeff, was in the shop all weekend doing a, uh, a personal project. Uh, and this is a bummer. He's, he's got a Jeep Grand Cherokee that his wife drives. Mm-hmm. And they had a windshield replaced. And whoever did the windshield replacement scratched the paint around the top of the windshield. Oh, no. And it caused the the, the paint to start to rust and ah. it bubbled back six inches up to the middle of the roof. So he had to pull the glass, strip the whole roof, do a color blend and the whole thing. Oh, brother. To fix all that, because the car is only a few years old. And uh, he spent his entire weekend at the shop you know, working on his own thing. And, and that, that's something that we afford to our team is the mm-hmm. ability to use the shop if they need to for something like that. Sure. And uh, I felt terrible for him because, you know, he was there by himself and he's working on this thing. And, and I told Kelly, I'm like, should, should we go down and hang out with Jeff? I mean, <laughs> the poor guy is there fixing this car by himself. And she's like, you know what? I think he actually enjoys it. Oh. I think he likes the time by himself. It's quiet. It's okay. The weekend. He's making progress. Just mm-hmm. let him do his thing. And then today was, as we we're recording this, today was a Monday. And at the end of the day, I saw his wife drive off with the Grand Cherokee all painted up and done. And it's like, he got it done. Perfect. So cool. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great benefit that you afford to, to your uh, people there that they can use your shop. I mean, the, the resources that are available are loan. Just, you know, dwarfs anything that anyone's home shop would have. Well, yeah, for sure. And, and, and we focus on safety. We like to have a couple of people there at a time, you know, just sure. in case something, something happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, in our world, you really got to look at what the benefits are. You know, and, and we do provide some of the health insurance and a 401k and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. We split that stuff amongst the team. Uh, but... You know, these are the car guys. And it's it's kind of a drag to work on everybody else's cool projects all the time and yeah. not be able to, to work on your own in the shop. So, but at the same time, you got to be respectful of customer cars. You can't push a customer car out of the way and work on your own stuff on a Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> right. you know? So we kind of walk the line. And, and like yeah. Trevor, you know, ha- has done quite a bit of work on his pickup truck in our shop. Mm-hmm. But we schedule around it and say yep. if you want to use the paint booth well friday afternoon we'll make sure we get everything cleared out of there and if it's conducive bring it in and go to town you know, perfect we, we allow everybody to do that and then also internally we can sometimes get better deals on parts buying wholesale or as a dealer mm-hmm. and we extend that to our team and, and whatever i mean you got to have some perks to any job true absolutely <laughs> else, you know people won't work there so yeah yeah the good people won't anyway yeah, right, right, right. Mm-hmm. And we've, we've got good people. So Amen. You do. It's a solid fortunate. solid team you have there. Yeah, yeah. These guys continue to uh, to impress every day. Dig it, man. Yeah. So it, it, it was a pretty cool weekend. Um, Friday night, as a matter of fact, uh, was kind of the last official local cruise at, uh, at a local Sonic drive-in. Is that right? And... Trevor was expect, expressing some interest in, in going to this cruise. Uh, 
and we have just wrapped up that 57 Thunderbird Coyote project uh, mm-hmm. on the chassis. And uh, I said, hey, you know, the owner said she's cool with us using this car. Why don't you take the T-Bird? Oh, so yeah. He did that and, and took the T-Bird to this cruise. And it turns out that it, he, he's driving in and he's looking for a place to park. And it was packed. It was uh-huh. really kind of unusual for me to envision right now that it was a packed parking lot car show. You know, most things have been canceled or yeah. socially distanced or yeah. whatever. But in in Missouri, where this was, Kirkwood, Missouri, the laws allowed for these things to happen. And, and uh, he pulled in and he, he was a little bit frustrated because he couldn't find a place to park. Well, meanwhile, you know, the pet peeve is when you have these guys who have lawn chairs blocking off five or six spots at a car cruise for their friends. Oh, right. And Trevor comes rolling in with this Thunderbird. It's this black 57 with a red gut. Mm. And this guy hears it and he goes, hey, what's in that thing? And he's like, well, it's a coyote. And he's like, well, then you need to park here. And they move these chairs out of the way. Sweet. And they allowed him to park, you know, front and center right in the middle. And he had a crowd about 10 people deep at this car the whole night. Get out of here. Because nobody's seen it before. It was yeah. a fresh build. And the the local guy that was kind of checking the car out, it turns out that uh, him and another gentleman are very involved in a local Thunderbird club. And, and the other gentleman owns what he calls F-Birds, which are the... NASCAR spec supercharged Thunderbirds. Ooh. There was two or 15 built in 1957. There's Trivia question. Eight remaining. And this guy owns two of them. Get out of here. Holy cow. Yes. And, and the two that he owns, one's a restored car. The other is an unrestored car that actually raced on the sand at Daytona. Oh man. Seven time trials. <laughs> And he's like, yeah, that, that T-Bird you guys brought is cool. And we're like, <laughs> what you have is killer. So Trevor talked to this gentleman for quite a while, and uh, it sounds like he's got an idea for a cool project. He's got a, a two-door 57 Ford Ranch Wagon oh, wow. that, that he wants to put on a chassis. And he's got a 427 single overhead cam motor for it. Get out of here. So he's like, well, I can see you guys did this car. Maybe we could talk about doing this wagon. And Trevor's like, sure, we'd love to do it. So that was on Friday night. So Trevor sends me a text and he's like, hey, I met this really cool guy at the the Sonic Cruise on Friday. They'll be back Saturday night for a local T-Bird Club meeting. Mm. Maybe you want to bring the car back to the T-Bird Club thing. So I said, sure, I, I had some time. So I drove it back to the very same location and and met the same guys he did and it was killer because it's like here's a bone stock 55 t-bird a bone stock 56 a bone stock 57 ours with the full chassis and coilovers and oh yeah and pinion and the coyote motor and then next to it they brought out that that nascar spec number two unrestored survivor whoa supercharged thunderbird and it was parked right next to it Oh, wow. And you don't have to be a T-Bird guy to go, that's really cool. Yeah, man. All day. Oh, yeah. And and some of those other, they call them F-Birds because of the engine code. I mean, that's a two hundred dollars to $300,000 car right now. I mean, they're, they're, they're for real. So that's legit. We, we chatted about T-Birds and stuff, and um, I snapped a couple of pictures and sent them to Bob Ashton from the Muscle uh-huh. Car and Corvette Nationals. And I asked the owner, I said, you ever been to the Muscle Car and Corvette Nationals? No, I heard of that show. My friend went, you know, but I've never been. I said, yeah, mm. you, you kind of need to go. You, yeah. <laughs> it's a so, mandate now. <laughs> oh, yeah. So the Ashton responds back. He's like, wow, that's that's really cool. That you is, know? yeah. So Oof. maybe in uh, 2021, that, that becomes a thing, you know? Yeah, we, we definitely need to stay on top of that one. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and it turns out this guy owns, and he's one of the supercharged uh, Y-block experts of the world. And he's right? got a bunch of these cars, including, I believe, a one-of-one one 1957 Ford Sunliner convertible built to the F 
uh, uh, standard of the Phase One supercharger for NASCAR. I think it's the only one ever done. Oh my gosh! And he not only does he have the car, he's got the motor, and he's got the paper trail going back to the dealer that sold it in North Carolina. So. Gee whiz. Yeah. That needs to go to McCacken, too. Holy cow. Uh, well, I agree. Uh, but it, it really, to me, it, the, the great thing about it was super cool guys. And yeah. that wouldn't have happened if Trevor didn't say, hey, I, I'm going to go out to this local cruise. Crazy. And, and this year has been so goofy with everything being shut down and canceled. Mm-hmm. Local car cruises have been completely off my radar. Same. Un- unlike every other year. So, um thankfully trevor's like no i want to go and do something and we just happened to send that car and it was so refreshing to hang out with those guys and just talk about cars you know Mm -hmm. meet new people and look at stuff um it it was missing from my life this year in in many many ways so uh very thankful to have that opportunity even you know even if nothing else happens it was just a great night yeah It, it was cool to be car guys again. Oh, man. I miss being a car guy. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's brutal. Yeah, I didn't go to one local cruise in uh, that our town has during the summer. Not one. They they had them, but you had to, you know, be distant, or they, they only were allowing so many people in the downtown area at a time, and it just, you know, it's not fun. No, it's too structured, and yeah. you got to – you got to remember the rules and mm-hmm. wonder if you're doing it right or safely and all the rest. And yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. So it was, uh, it was really trick. So if everything kind of pans out, we might be featuring a couple of those cars on muscle car of the week. As a matter of fact, dig it. Yeah. Right yeah. on. So that was cool. Yeah. Speaking of muscle car of the week, I, I noticed it, uh, this last one you featured, um, some local stuff, right. Or from two yeah, weeks here- ago. Gary Heiser's uh, 72 Firebird Formula 455 right. four-speed car. Yeah, the blue one. Yeah, amazing car. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, yes yeah. sir. I love that car. Yes. And, and the interesting thing about that one is, you know, he's a customer of ours. We did a bunch of work on that car. It was already completely restored when he bought it. And it was, it was kind of a funny story because he had one new. Looked identical, except mm-hmm. for his original car had Rally 2 wheels on it and the fender flares and the rear wing. The car he mm-hmm. bought had dog dish caps and steel wheels and no rear wing. Right. But backing up a few steps, he came in and he said, hey, I'm thinking about buying this car because it, it looks very much like the one that I had when I was you know, back in 1972. Mm -hmm. And I said, that's cool. Where is it? And he said, well, it's in Southern California. And, and, you know, I'm trying to figure out a way to get somebody to look at it. So luckily, because of some of the connections that I have, I was able to get our buddy Rob Canan, who's formerly with Hot Rod, to go test drive the car and evaluate it and take some pictures. Cool. So I said, Gary, I got you covered. You know, my buddy's going to go take this thing for a cruise. You know, you just got to buy him lunch, basically. And yeah, Gary paid him a couple hundred bucks. And, and Rob did a great job of, of shooting photos and shooting videos and, and writing up kind of a, a report on the car. And he sent it back to Gary. And Gary's like, where do I know your name? And Rob's like, oh, I used to work for Hot Rod. And he's like, Hot Rod Magazine? The guy from Hot Rod Magazine looking at cars for me? This is unbelievable. I <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love yeah, it. it was cool, you know. And and I thank Rob very much for, for providing that service. But uh, it's nice when the network that you've established works. Mm-hmm. You know? And Gary ended up buying the car and having it shipped in and Again, it was a full rotisserie restoration. It's beautiful, beautiful car. And we kind of looked it over, and, and Gary said, well, here's the deal. You know, mine had Rally 2s and a wing, so go to town, you know. Make it so. It, make it so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I initially put a Facebook post out saying, you know, which would you prefer? the Yeah. The Rallies or the Steelies? And then we did that again at the at the end of the Muscle Car of the Week video. Uh-huh. And it was about a 50-50 split of people right? who like either way, yeah. Interesting. Yes. They, they both 
They both check a lot of boxes, both configurations. I love the look of those steelies with the with the dog dish caps on them. I do too. It's it's so refreshing because you never see that, especially no. on a Firebird. But a formula—that's kind of what it was. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but you hardly see it in in the stock configuration anymore. Right. A lot of right. people want to transamp it up or change it or you know have aftermarket wheels or whatever. Yeah. So, but that was that was nice to see. So he still has both. He keeps them both both sets of wheels and tires. Yeah, so, right. Swaps them out. Right. I mean, just to to maintain the authenticity of what it was. But he said, "Look, I bought it. It's my car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to put the Rally Twos on it, which which is cool too." Yeah, I, I could not agree more with that that uh, that point of view. It is your car. Do what you want with it. Yeah, and and we had a lot of fun shooting the the video on it and uh, getting it out on country roads and just you know having mm-hmm. a nice time. So that was a refreshing. A refreshing break from the norm to be able to play with that one. So nice. fortunate. Nice. You um, yeah. you threw up a picture of that LaSalle uh, recently, that LaSalle ambulance. Yeah, that thing. We got a, I got a text over the weekend from the owner of that 39 LaSalle ambulance, and he's like, hey, look, I won. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a is winner. It, yeah, isn't you won what? Yeah, apparently there was a, a virtual Cadillac LaSalle national event. Really? So the hmm. the event was held online by the Cadillac LaSalle Club of America, which was started in 1958. I mean, this is the club. Jeez. And they decided to have this national car show event where you had to supply... Uh, a very detailed tech sheet, and then some photos of your car. Mm-hmm. And I think they had they had a lot of classes. I don't know, sixteen classes or something. And, and the classes went by era of Cadillac, so you mm-hmm. know, nineteen whatever, ten to twenty, and twenty to thirty, thirty to forty, whatever. And then they had a separate category for LaSalle because LaSalle was a, a sub moniker of Cadillac. And he and I think they had. 40 or so LaSalle's that entered from around the world in this event. And he took first place. Right on, man. So, yeah, that was cool. And there was some serious competition. I mean, some open car roadsters and some sedans and mm-hmm. perfectly restored things. And his is a combination car. It's a hearse ambulance that we restored for him mm-hmm. uh, a couple of years ago. At more of an ambulance than a hearse, so right. it's bright red with the white walls and all the lights on it and everything. Uh-huh. It wasn't if if memory serves, wasn't that originally a local area ambulance? Wasn't that in Redbud? Yes, it, it it was actually commissioned by a I think by a funeral home in Redbud, Illinois, where our shop is. Which back in the in thirty nine or forty, I mean, there was probably only. I don't know, five, six hundred people in this town. Sounds right. There's only 3,300 people in Redbud now. Gee whiz. Yeah, it's a small little town. So back then, the funeral homes would buy a hearse and then use it also as an ambulance for the hospitals. It was was more more common than an ambulance being used for something else. It was a hearse that was used as an ambulance. Oh, okay. So that's where the combination vehicle came in. So it was equipped to handle gurneys and live passengers mm-hmm. and then last rides as well. <laughs> <laughs> Final destination. Uh, yeah, right. But there was a sticker in the windshield from, nine, from I don't know, 1940 or 41 or something uh, when we got it in from Redbud, Illinois, that, mm-hmm. that indicated its lineage. And, and he bought it somewhere in Missouri and it had been restored once before and everything else, but it was kind of fun to have it kind of come home to be yeah. redone in sure. its hometown. So, you know, huge car, ridiculously mm. sized, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, giant goodness. car, wood framed in the back Yep, and, and skinned with steel and, and all that wood was rotted out. So our guys had to put their Bob Vila hats on nice. and, you know, <laughs> restore all the wood and then do the, the steel over it and everything else. But, uh, 
it's very authentic the lighting on it and uh-huh. and and a lot of the stuff that was done is period correct and and it was funny two weeks ago i had texted the owner and i said you know i haven't talked to him in a long time because mm-hmm. we finished it a while ago and i said have you had a chance to enjoy the car this year because like i was saying you know there's just not the events going on right and he's like yeah you know my wife and i take it on this 35 mile lap you know every week or week and a half or so and just drive it and exercise it cool and uh we enjoy it and people stop us and talk and and then this past weekend he sent me the text with the photograph of the the first place certificate so that was it was great for him it was very cool nice i'm glad they're enjoying it that's terrific that's it drives a, wonderfully. It looks like it does. Yeah, it's it looks a, like you're it's riding a, on a cloud. You know, it's surprising because the things, I don't even know how long it is. I mean, it's huge. And it's got a flathead V8 and hmm. an automatic or a manual transmission on the column. Hmm. But it handles great. I mean, it just really? it drives. I'm not going to say like a brand new car, but I mean, yeah. it, it, it's not all over the road and it's not wandering and hmm. loose. Um, I know we did some steering maintenance. We didn't upgrade anything, so it's got all of its original componentry underneath. Hmm. It doesn't have like a Mustang two front suspension or anything. Uh-huh. It's all you know LaSalle stuff, huh. just fixed, right? And and Trevor was quick to point out that '30s American cars, especially the the nice ones, hmm. your your Chryslers, your Cadillacs, your LaSalles were really nice driving cars. I mean, they put a lot of time engineering mm-hmm. the the design and and they put a lot of emphasis on quality and and they're surprising. You would think that thing would be a, you know, just a bus wreck, but it was really <laughs> you could drive it every day. It was easy to drive and it steered nice with power steering and brakes and everything. It was Oh, I, I bet the power steering was just like effortless. It was, yeah. yeah. It was super quiet. Took bumps really well. It nice. still had the knee action shocks. Is that right? Sort of flat head. Yeah, but it was it was a sweet car. Well, all right, man. I like hearing that. It's mm-hmm. it's it's nice when you can bring something back in its stock configuration and really experience how it was, you know, when it was new. So, right. To give More you that so... that perspective of you know you, you have an older car typically now that's kind of clapped out. And you drive it, and it is it is all over the road, and it and it it feels terrible. And you're like, "This is how cars were back then." Well, no, this is not how cars were back then. This one's just yeah. worn out. You know, and and thanks to the magazines and TV shows and video, we're all kind of conditioned to think that if it's old, mm-hmm. it sucks, right? You know, but what people overlook is that. That wasn't acceptable when the car was new. It mm-hmm. had to go straight. It, it was not allowed to wander all over the place. And right. It couldn't tip over in a turn, you know, or anything like that. So your point is 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 right. When you correct the wear mm-hmm. and and make things as they were, mm-hmm. the the big thing that we do is kind of change the alignment specs. And you can do that because you have a new alignment rack. <laughs> yeah, very nice. How's Thank that you. for a segue? <laughs> yeah, wow. Gold star for Mr. Q-Ball. <laughs> oh, man. Well, before we go down that road, uh, you know, a lot of times the alignment specs back in the day, the selling points were that they were easy to park. Okay. So... They tend to make the spindle stand straight up and down like zero degrees of caster mm-hmm. so that it was very easy to parallel park the car because when the okay. spindle straight up and down, the wheel pivots on its axis real nice. Mm-hmm. Today, modern cars, that spindle is leaned back towards the windshield. They have a lot of caster in them, mm-hmm. much like a, like a chopper motorcycle, right. you know, that wheels lean back. So that when they go down the highway... You can let go of the wheel and they go straight. Yeah, you know forever. And to your point, you know we've invested, uh, thanks to Kelly and Trevor, into a uh, a Hunter uh, Hawkeye digital alignment system, which is an amazing tool. And and I didn't, mm-hmm. I mean I resisted. I, I didn't think we needed one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the challenge we're facing is that we would finish a car, we would do a suspension upgrade or a full restoration. 
and then take it to an alignment shop and they would say, well, it's a 1939 LaSalle. <clears throat> that spindle needs to be at zero degrees of camber. So that's where we're going to set it or zero caster. And we would tell them, no, 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 no. We want to introduce some casters so that it drives more modern. And they wouldn't veer off the original specifications mm -hmm. if they could find them. Or they would have a problem grabbing a custom wheel or a lowered vehicle was challenging. Okay. So Trevor's like, look, if we get this machine, these Hunter machines are amazing. And they can grab any wheel and they don't care if the car is lowered. And they can do things like measure the ride height if you've got coilover shocks and, and verify that it's level and true and all the rest. Oh, wow. This machine, so we ended, we, we've got a drive-on four-post lift, mm -hmm. and you can adapt that lift to become an alignment machine as well. So okay. they, they added some uh, pivot tables to the front so you can turn the wheels. Right. And this machine, is, is, it's amazing. If you drive a car on the rack, you can clip the targets on the four wheels and measure the alignment specs in 70 seconds what it's it's, it's crazy That's yeah it's nuts. amazing and it's all you know it's, it's laser optical and bluetooth all at the same time Jeez. so so now we can take a car that that came in off the street or that we worked on drive it on clip these things on and go oh yeah we know what we need to do like right away so alignments the whole process might not be super quick because if it's a 50 year old car you might be fight, fighting rusty bolts or you know whatever mm -hmm. but at least we're in control of the spec now right and we did a we've done i don't know five or six cars in the past couple of weeks already that are from the 50s through the 70s uh, muscle cars and we put our spec on them mm -hmm. and now all of a sudden they drive much more like a new car with that let go of the wheel cool. feeling of being able to go straight down the road and and handle better and not not get thrown off by ruts in the road sure. and all the rest of it and it's uh it's not one of those investments that's going to pay for itself anytime soon because mm -hmm. it was <laughs> It was a, it was a sure, pretty expensive machine. Sure, that one free, baby. <laughs> yeah. And an alignment, you know, is not, you know, a very high dollar thing. Right. But it allows us to not have to release the car into somebody else's control mm -hmm. to do that. And it's a service we can provide that we know we're in control of. Yeah, it and, keeps and, quality and, control in-house. That's Correct. That's perfect. Yeah. And it, it's cool. Yeah, uh, that, that in and of itself, I think, makes it worth it. If you can keep maintain and improve quality control keep it in house that's what you want yes and and again if somebody has whatever size custom wheel mm -hmm. we can handle it now and we're we know how much those wheels cost mm -hmm. so we're not going to mar up the wheels and you know worry about scratching them and, mm -hmm. and all the rest so uh it's it's been a very cool tool and and it's fun to see what we can learn off this. So like today, if we do a, a 69 Camaro with a Detroit Speed Quadrolink and coilover shocks all the way around, mm -hmm. before we were setting the ride height by measuring tools and by eye, you know, mm -hmm. to make sure that everything's correct. And you know, you got pretty close, but now there is a ride height function where you push a button and it goes, yeah, your, your driver's side rear is, you know, one sixteenth higher than the rest of the car. Oh my gosh! And we can adjust that spring, and next thing you know, it's perfect. Huh? That's yeah. pretty cool, man. It I is. Gotta, I gotta the tell you, that's that's pretty neat. The technology is amazing, and and Hunter makes some of the world's best equipment. Is that right? And it, it they really do, and they're they're very widely known as being top of the line. And again, everything is cloud based, so. It's downloading software updates on its own. We don't even know, you know, that it happened. So it's it's current, mm -hmm. but it does go back. I think their library goes back to the '40s, even with the base stock package. Cool. So we're covered. Cow. Yeah, it's great. I'm very happy with it. <laughs> Man, you are. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have said that, 
you know, before it happened, I'm like, do we really do this? Bit? I mean, alignment <laughs> down the streets, a couple hundred bucks is done. <laughs> and they're like, no, no, you don't understand. Yeah. Come on, man. You right. don't know. You're not there. <laughs> right. N- now I understand. Mm-hmm. That's good, man. Mm-hmm. Right now, where, where, where in the shop is it? It is right in our mechanics bay. So we have technically four but, buildings. Right. And in the center location, uh, in our main mechanics center, our, our four-post lift is also the alignment bay. Okay. And it's pretty cool because the, the brains of the machine are on a roll-away type tool cabinet. So you just roll it in front of the lift, oh. push the button, and it, it, it works. When you're done, you roll it out of the way, and it's just a lift again. That's terrific. Yeah. It is. It's actually awesome. Yeah. Very happy with that. Yeah. I'm pretty happy with it, too. Well, (laughs) thank you. Yeah, I was kind of surprised because we put a Facebook post out saying that, you know, we have this technology now, Mm -hmm. and hundreds of people are like, yeah, right on. And I was like, really? Wow. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm I'm glad you dig it. I, I didn't really realize it. So... One of our first uh, drive-in jobs was a gentleman with a Pontiac, of all things. Hey, how about that? Yes, a uh, a sixty. It was like a sixty-nine Le Mans or, or seventy Le Mans. Well, the first one was a seventy-two Le Mans GT, right. the white car. Yeah, and that's when we kind of cut our teeth on. Mm-hmm. But right after that was a uh, a sixty-six mm. Le Mans. And the guy had done ride tech suspension on it, lowered it, put bigger wheels and brakes. And he's like, yeah, you know, I, I eyeballed my alignment and I drove it from Florida to Illinois. Mm. And my tires are still there. So I think it's pretty close. Mm. <laughs> I would imagine it's fairly close. Yeah. So he's like, can you guys just verify everything? So we put it on the rack and he was really, really close with his, his icrometer yeah <laughs> alignment job and, i have line cars like that <laughs> yes and and you know tape measure and, and then you know chalk mm-hmm. marks and we just kind of dialed it in a little bit and when he was we sent him home and and followed up with him a couple of days later he said yeah i noticed an improvement it tracks better and and straighter and you oh, know, i appreciate that so you know we're kind of advertising that service of dialing in the car for what you have and not just again what the factory spec is yeah but then you know our our team follows up so have you ever had an alignment shop call you two days later and say does it feel good no but that that's what our team is doing never not once (laughs) (laughs) right and and that makes a big difference because you you might get an alignment done and say you know what this is kind of following the crown of the road or whatever Mm -hmm. Um, but, but our team really wants to make sure your car is right, you know, and we're not a general repair shop. It's right. clearly only for customs, muscle cars, classics, sure. whatever. But I think that makes a huge difference when, when Joe in our shop calls up and says, Hey, when you drove that car home, did it, did it feel right? You mm-hmm. know? Uh, luckily they all have, but that's, <laughs> that's the whole thing. Not luckily. Absolutely. They have. Well, there's a little bit of, you know, like like part of Trevor's frustration is we'll tune a fuel injection car for how we drive it. Mm-hmm. But then the customer picks it up and their foot is different. Ah, uh, right. And we have to make sure it's tuned for what for the customer yeah. is comfortable with and not how we are. So we always like to go for a ride along and observe mm-hmm. and data log, all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, that all lends itself to the client experience and making sure that your clients have an exceptional experience. I just want them to be happy, you know, just exactly. love the car. That's it, with what they got. So mm-hmm. it, it, sometimes it's tricky, but, um, yeah. but again, that's I imagine that's it how, can be tricky from time to time. But that's how I would want it, you know, as a customer. Yeah. If, if, somebody, if I bring my car somewhere, I just don't want to feel like, yeah, we got it in, we got it out. Get the hell out of here. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I got to turn this bay over. Get your crap out of here. Let's well, go. Yeah, Let's I mean, go. That's a general repair shop has to do mm-hmm. the numbers. They yeah, got to turn, turn and burn. Off. That's it. Mm-hmm. So, and then this, uh, you know, it's funny. This, this year has, 
it's been so hit or miss with events, but you know, a month ago, I guess now, I was fortunate enough to be able to go out to Bonneville, right, uh, and and see the uh, uh, Speed Demon set the piston-driven land speed record of all time, unbelievable, uh, which was crazy, and and I recorded a few interviews from. Kenny Dutweiler, the the engine builder, and actually some of the people that actually do the timing at Bonneville and 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 run the event. And I'm, I know I teased this before, saying we're going to do a special episode on that. But I don't want to edit those down. I'd love to have those interviews play in their full length. Okay. So I'm going to make those specially available, downloadable files. Perfect. So you can click on these on our website at v8radio.com and listen to the entire interview with Kenny Duttweiler and the the announcer cool. from Bonneville and uh, the lady in the timing tower and and hear all that stuff kind of unfiltered because mm-hmm. it, it just it's cool stuff. Yeah, and, and she's in the timing tower. She's got you know binoculars and she's calling out the 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 quarter mile speed and the eighth mile and a half and the one mile, two mile, nice. four and five. And then on the radio, and then trying to answer my questions, and look out at the next one, you know. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And rather than cut that stuff apart, we're just going to let it fly. So that's that's perfect. What was that piston-driven record? It's like four hundred and seventy-nine miles an hour. Good God, man! That's crazy on a piston-driven car. Yes, uh, well, I should say vehicle. It's, well, it's a car, four-wheel, yeah, you know, streamliner. Yeah. yeah. Um. I don't even know how many horsepower it is. It doesn't make traction until like the third mile. Yeah, a couple two three hundred. <laughs> couple of two three hundred. Couple two three hundred horsepowers over <laughs> yeah, right there. <laughs> it's not as much as Vinny had with that Nova. I mean, that <laughs> that would have broken the record. All the records. All the records. Smashed them. <laughs> Shattered them. <laughs> that streamliner crap got nothing on Vinny's. No, nose. no. Yeah. No, it got a tree fitty small block in there. Four barrel. Three, three four bolt mains. Just a tree twenty seven. Oh. With the wasn't even a tree fitty. With a tree quarter cam. It was an L seventy nine. Oh, hey there. No, that was really unbelievable. Just uh um and uh, one of the highlights of that whole weekend was those guys ran one of their motor programs and were they were trying to set the record and the engine quit it didn't quit but they lost a they lost a cylinder so it ran a certain mile per hour on seven cylinders wow and they thought they had this big oil fire and it was a big problem mm. and they bring it back to the pits and Kenny Dutweiler tells a story but he, he they take a bore scope and they look down number seven. And there's a hole burned right through the center of the piston. Oh, boy. It leaned out and burned oh. the piston. But upon closer inspection, it was right through the center of the piston. So it didn't cause a catastrophic failure. That particular hole just lost compression. So oh, they wow. Said, we can just put a piston in it. Yeah, run it. And Kenny's like... Where did all the aluminum go? <laughs> and he's Point like, well, I think, of order. Right. You know, he's like, I think it's just kind of all caked down to the crank or something. I don't know. They, they couldn't find, like, scored cylinder walls. Nothing was really damaged. It just bored a hole through the piston. So I walk into the pits, and here they are with this trailer with the side door open and and the engine block is on the floor on its side and there's steve watt and his team are putting new pistons in this thing just laying there just like any other weekend drag racer right you know that that brought enough extra parts except this is you know some of the highest technology land speed record land speed racing on the planet Mm mm-hmm but it's still the same as a regular guy, you know? So they totally. were able to put it all back together, get it out back on the salt and run it again. And this year, because the COVID situation reduced the attendance, you know, people mm-hmm. couldn't fly in from other countries, the travel restrictions right. and all that kind of crap that uh, uh, Kenny was telling me that 
they could have run laps. You know, they, they could have run the salt and bring it right back to the start. And if it was good to go, run it again. You know, there Gee was no whiz. waiting. And they, that's part of the contributor of them having the opportunity to run so many runs and actually set those records. So mm-hmm. it was, you'll be able to download that at uh, vietradio.com and hear it straight from him. Dig it. Well, that's cool, man. I'm glad you yeah. had a great time out there. It is a great time. Bonneville's otherworldly. It's yeah. Uh, there's some kind of, some kind of purity to the whole thing, I think. Yeah, and it's so different from daily life. You know? I, I'm sure it is. It's not a road. You know, it's yeah. not a. There's no traffic lights or street corners or. It's just this big, giant open space, and you just do your thing. That's and cool. There's no. Uh, context either you, you might have this 500 mile an hour streamliner mm-hmm. and the and the vehicle up next is a 50 cc motorcycle <laughs> the guy's trying to go 80 miles an hour nice. <laughs> you know and yeah. everyone's cheering for him just as much oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. i believe it trying to set the record yeah and then you'll find a pickup truck that did 150 and then it's another steve three Corvette that's going for 210 or whatever, mm. you know, it's just, it's not like at a drag race where all the 10 inch tire cars are up and then all mm-hmm. the alcohol cars are up, you know, just whatever is up next gets to run. That's so, neat. I'd love to see cool. that a 50 CC bike trying to go 80 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. I mean, that'd be great. Yeah. You laugh, but these, these sixties uh, Hondas are like a hot class right now. Is that right? Yeah. They're finally starting to apply like high technology engine build stuff, codings right? and machine work to these small CC bikes because hmm. those records are out there for the taking. You know, they can, you can, if you can do it, you can get it. That's cool, man. It is. I got to get out there someday. God dang you it. You do. Darn you're, it. You're selling it too, too much. You're selling it too good. It's awesome. And, and I've told many people and they all have the same reaction. Man, I'm going next year. So <sighs> you need to go. Yeah. We need to do to a live out. show out there. That'd be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're finally getting the the web connectivity out there strong enough to be able to to do it. Is that right? And uh, I interviewed the official track announcer. It's a guy named Seldom Seen Slim. Oh. And he he he's out there for the entire week. You know, calling car by car. I mean, it's a brutal thing he's in this trailer and it's not very air conditioned and it's it's hot out there Mm because it's august and and he brings it every time and commentary and kind of play by play it's really cool seldom seen slim that's right (laughs) you can download the interview yeah yeah i like it yeah it's cool (laughs) and then two what two weeks ago i was down at the four-wheel jamboree right in Indy, mm-hmm. which was a 180-degree experience from Bonneville. Oh, I bet. Um, the 39th annual O'Reilly Auto Parts Fall Four-Wheel Jamboree. <laughs> As uh, Kevin said 300 times that weekend. More than that, yeah. I was <laughs> fortunate enough to be the uh, the stage announcer and, and the, the event announcer. So, yes, every time you turn the mic on, you open with the 39th annual O'Reilly Auto Parts Fall Four-Wheel Jamboree. Um, but that's a fun event, too, because it's uh, it's a younger crowd, and there's a cruise lap, so they're cruising their four-wheel drives, and their lifted trucks and Jeeps, and there's a show and shine, and there's vendors, and then there's the, the infield where the mud bog races are and the mega trucks and the monster trucks mm-hmm. and, and a series called tough trucks the tough tu- tough trucks to me are some of the best a lot of these there's a stock and modified class the stock mm-hmm. tough trucks are guys that drove to this event and then they race on tabletops and and hill and hole mud pits and everything and then drive the thing home if wow. they don't break it oh my gosh <laughs> yeah I wonder what the ratio is of those who drove home and those who didn't is. Yeah, I think they have a lot of friends with trailers. I would imagine so. (laughs) (laughs) So that's a lot of fun. And then this emerging class is the Mega Trucks, which is technically a monster truck, but with a smaller smaller tire on it. It's still an agricultural tractor tire. 
Okay. But it's 15 to 1600 horsepower mm. and five or 600 pounds less than a monster truck, but more power. And they're capable of flying wow. like hundreds of feet through the air on, on jumps. Oh my gosh. And uh, uh, Dennis Anderson, our, our friend that drove Gravedigger you uh-huh. know, on that monster truck team, he's now fully immersed in the mega truck scene cool uh, with his son uh and and just a super cool guy I had a chance to talk to him for a few minutes just a great ambassador for that sport one thing about dennis anderson is all weekend long he had 50 to 100 people deep wanting his autograph that's nice he signed everyone and took a photo with every single person wow no questions asked. You're you're getting it. That's I mean, impressive. It was so cool. Yeah, yeah. That is very very cool. Just a gracious guy who loves his fans and knows that without them, he's not. He's got nothing. Right. So, right. 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 Just like yeah. without our fan, we are nothing. This show is correct. Nothing. Well, we without are nothing even with our fan. <laughs> 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 oh man and our fan is getting antsy yeah oh yes our fan is getting antsy <laughs> to learn the answers to our trivia question <laughs> okay fan okay here buddy here you go pal <laughs> okay dude <laughs> all right so kevin i asked you about the little engine that could uh right. that pontiac produced the four-cylinder engine that ran from 1977 to 1993 and I asked you what the name of that engine was, and you said it was named after John Wayne, and they called I it made the, that part up. The Iron Duke. <laughs> <laughs> well, be that as it may, that is absolutely the correct answer. All oh, right, on. Iron Duke, it is. I don't know if they named it after uh, after the Duke or not. There's a story there for sure. Well, I was I was trying to find where the source of that name, the genesis of that name, but I huh. couldn't find it. So maybe if our fan knows, <laughs> please can, share please with drop us. Drop us a line. <laughs> <laughs> when you do your five star review, uh, <laughs> yes. add in there the truth about the Iron Duke. <laughs> uh, that is a new segment called News to Me. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> right on. Yeah, man. We, we owe our fan a beer, I think. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, awesome. I have a uh, an answer for your mm-hmm. question, which was how many Cadillacs were produced in 1967? Mm-hmm. A nice round number. Yes. And with a little coaxing, uh, you said 100,000. Yes. Which was a great answer, except However. <laughs> <laughs> the correct answer was 200,000. God bless America. <laughs> You're on the right track. If yeah, I would have maybe coached you again, you might have brought it up. Maybe, maybe. Oh, man. Well, it is what it is. Still a good number. It's a great number. Mm-hmm. That was back, you know, when, when American car producers built a lot of cars, and I was trying to hopefully get you to yeah up that number a little bit with the amount of caddies that were produced but that's yeah. okay well i mean you pretty much only had the big three to pick from so i guess you'd have to produce a lot of cars to um to feed the masses so to speak yeah i think 67 pontiac did like 287 or 300,000 something like that but caddy was a big deal back then so yeah they, great uh, cars they made a lot yes mm-hmm. great All alignment right. specs yeah, yeah. Well, you know, when 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 Trevor does them, they go straight. That's right, man. For sure. All right. Well, listen. This was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. It was I long overdue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We apologize for that, but mm. uh, we'll try to get back on more of a regular schedule. If Mike gets his deck built. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I'll get as much as I can done. <laughs> yeah, right on. Carve out a few minutes for us, and uh, I'll I'll try to do the same. Dig it, man. Yeah. And again, uh, we're now going to start blatantly soliciting positive reviews and feedbacks. Yes, you know, please. Everybody else does. Why not? Absolutely. So 
If you're listening to us on a platform that allows you to click a five star or leave a couple of positive words, we're, we're very uh, appreciative of that. And you can listen uh, again on iTunes. I think that, I'm not sure, I think the Google Play thing went away. But, it may uh, have. Spotify, mm-hmm. Stitcher, mm-hmm. Podchaser, of course, the Facebook page. iHeartRadio. iHeartRadio is a big one, yeah. Ba-boom. They, they, yeah, they, they're growing quite a bit. Our, uh, our buddy Clarence Barnes is on iHeartRadio quite a that's, bit. That's right. While you're listening to us, if you finish this show, flip over to the iHeartRadio 80s channel, and you'll hear our friend Clarence. And... Uh, Anywhere else uh, uh, your podcasts are found, hopefully soon to be Amazon as well. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's a, ooh, that's a good teaser. Yeah, how about that? Amen. We'll find out. Mm-hmm. Maybe on the next episode. <laughs> the next uh, Tooth Fairy episode. What was it? Tooth? Toothsome. Toothsome. Toothsome episode. <laughs> you have no idea the research I go through to come up with these I, damn names. <laughs> I know, man. We've done a lot of these episodes, and yeah. you always come up with a new one. I'm impressed. Yeah. Thank and you. It, it Thank you very more much. more than uh, 90 words in the English language. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that many of them describe this show. No, I know it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really getting close. <laughs> we'll also take suggestions from our listener on those. Yes, please. Yes. All right. So uh, for Mr. Mike Cuball Clark, I'm Kevin Oste, thanking you for listening and reminding you to keep it over 150. And we'll see you next time on VA Radio.